First of all, thank you, Dagadosh Baruch Hu, for this beautiful minion. Dagadosh Baruch Hu should bless everybody here with health and happiness and bracha and panasasim. Bless himself, protect himself, send for Ashmaq to all the sick from his health. Help us all do tshuva, sabrina, leo, nevana, anavi, mashiach, tzitkenu. Tonight is Rosh Chodesh, Erev Rosh Chodesh, Elul, the month of Rahamim, the month of Srihot. And the uh, the uh, Torah says, uh, the, by the Emmets, is a song that we say, Piyut, Shar Rahamim La'am Chabutiah, the gates of mercy to uh, the nation who trusts in you. Okay? That you should open it up for us on this Erev Rosh Hodesh. So Yolosh Bachu should actually really give us the schut to really try and utilize this month. We have a month left before Rosh Hashanah and to really try to accumulate as many mitzvot, as many good deeds, whatever we can. And since we learn these laws of Lashon Hara, and Lashon Hara is probably the hardest thing in the world to keep, and after that probably is watching your eyes, but if you can actually make Hishtadlut this coming month, at least from uh, five Lashon Haras to one or two, from uh, watching your eyes, from, uh, from looking five times a day to one or two, you're already a Baal Tshuva this month. You're not the same guy that you were um, yesterday. So going back to the Hafez Haim, and he brings, the Hafez Haim actually brings a segment, and he stresses a certain point relating to Rechilut that seems quite obvious. And he says even if someone was robbed or, or, or has cheated someone, it is permitted to relate this information to the victim, to the victim, only if the five conditions that we learned earlier are um, are fulfilled. But he says here, and he says something interesting. There is no difference whether the victim asked for the report of what happened, or or if the witness volunteers the information of his own. Okay, but the only time you're going to be able to say lashon uh, hara uh, uh, is going to be for toelet. For a constructive purpose, there's a reason. Somebody, somebody uh, uh, did something bad, and he actually may do it again. Then you should say it to him. But also, on the other hand, a lot of times, if if a certain damage is done, you know, it's not going to happen again. It's, you know, the uh, the milk was spilled. The situation, it's going to be, a, you know, the chances of this situation happening again. He says, yes, it may be for talent, but it, there's no sense of uh, of telling it uh, uh, at this point. He says. He said, there's a, there's, a, there's a story of someone came to the Rabbi Israel Misalant, and he said to him, so-and-so shamed me, and he did this and this and this, and I want, you know, and, and the rabbi said this was wrong. And he says, well, I want to seek, I want to seek revenge for or at least to get back to him for what he did to me. And the, the rabbi said, listen, you, you, you are right, and I feel your pain, and you have the, the right to, but here's the problem. Until now, you are right. He did the wrong thing, Okay. And he says, be smart, be smart, don't be tzodek, don't be, don't be, yes, I want to do it. He says, because you know what? Because you cannot answer him back or pay him back in the same way that he did to you. You're going to do something extra. And then all of a sudden, now it's, it's on you. The shame is on you. And he says, so a lot of times, better just not to say, just to move on, take the shame, take the thing, think it, okay, Baruch Hashem, you know what, maybe this is an atonement, kaparat of and to move on, because he says, 
So many relationships, so many businesses, so many things have failed in life. Why? Because the other person said one thing a little too much, and that boom, that sparked the entire fire, and everything went kaput from there. So he says, so sometimes, sometimes he said you just let things go. But this is, this is what he calls uh, 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 for toilet to say if there's a good purpose and it's a reason it's going to help somebody, then you are allowed to say lashon uh, hara. And this is what he's calling about lashon hara for toilet. And he was saying here, he says, he says there was there was there was some, someone said here says you know that the the half time really felt this whole a business of Lashon Hara and the damage that is called. And he brings that there was an elderly Jew from Ravnin who knew the Hafez Haim and he once remarked, he says, what is the difference between the Hafez Haim and me? You know, he says, he says, I believe in Olam Abba, and the Hafez Haim believes in, in Olam Abba. He says, but the difference, but the difference between the Hafez Haim and me is the Olam Abba that I believe in is a distance far away. The Hafez Haim's Olam is right next door. He sees it. He feels it. That's the difference between me and uh, the Hafez Haim. He brings Rabbi Arya Levin from Yerushalayim, brings, and he was a young man. He was in Lithuania, and the Hafez Haim visited this particular shul, and he saw the rabbi coming in, and he said that actually on the bima, there was this sign right here, Shiviti Hashem Nenigdit I stand in front of God, but... The, uh, the uh, sign, because there was candles on the bima, so the sign wasn't really protected, and it's, you know, from the candles, from the fire, kind of the edges of it kind of got dirty from the smoke. So the Hafez Haim looked, and he says, the Hafez Haim looked, and he says, how come this is not protected by glass? And the, the people answered, no, it's the Shamash. The Shamash doesn't want to listen to us. He doesn't want to put glass on it. As soon as the Hafez Haim heard that, he left the shul. He ran away. He said, this is Lashon Hara. I don't want to be in the shul. To show you somebody who lives this whole Indian of Lashon Hara. So he said, that's something we all have to try to make a, a Hishtadlut. Um, this year, the less, the less, as long as the, the more you hold yourself, the better off you are. Well, just a, uh, another thing here with, with regards to, and we'll see what the uh, what the law is. So he says, Abby and Sarah, who live in New York, were finally making aliyah to Israel and decided they they would need to sell their all their fur- to sell their furniture. And as it, it was economical to uh, not to transport, and they placed an advertisement, aliyah sale, everything must go. Baruch came. And he bought a hand-crafted uh, curio, 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 at a steep discount. What is a curio? Okay, a curio. Okay, br- brief commercial break. Uh, one second. Moshe uh, David has a curio that he wants to get rid of. If anybody can use a china cabinet, please let Moshe David or me know, and I'll let him know. Thank you. Thanks for inviting. Higher. Okay. You never know how it will fit in. <laughs> So he says, he says, so Baruch bought their handcrafted curio at a steep discount and hired movers to take it to his home. A week later, Abby called Baruch to explain that due to an unexpected ailment, illness in the family, Abby and Sarah would not be able to make Aliyah for the foreseeable future, and Abby would like his curio uh, to be returned. Okay, so now the question is, are there any halachic grounds for Abby to force Baruch to give her back uh, the, uh, the curio and she'll give him the money back? That's the question. So he says, so the Gemara discusses, the Gemara says 
there was a, when there was a severe shortage in, uh, in the city of Nahardea, during which many people sold their mansions in order to purchase wheat, eventually wheat did, uh, did arrive in the city, uh, uh, driving down the prices of wheat and rendering the sale of the mansions unnecessary. So Rav Nahman told the people of the city that the halacha is that the mansions are to be returned to their owners. Okay, so he says, so based on this Gemara and the Rambam rules that if a person sells his courtyard or field and informs the purchaser that he is selling because he plans to travel, because she sold, because she, she was selling because she was planning to make Aliyah. If he, she, she plans to travel to another location and then as if, uh, uh, then it is if she made the sale on a condition. So the sale is a condition. Okay, even if it was not, and express conditions of sale. So if the seller's intentions are clear, then the former, former, former uh, formal stipulation are not, is not required. The Kesef Mishneh, Kesef Mishneh points out that the Rambam limits this uh, rule to real property, land, building. However, he says, if the subject of the sale is moving property, metaltelim, like the, the, the table, whatever it is, okay, then the sale would not be considered to have been conditioned on the tra- seller traveling to a specific place. And the reasoning, the reasoning given is that it is unusual for a person to sell off his real property if he's not planning to move. On the other hand, many people sell personal items such as furniture without intending to move. And in addition, the seller is, um, uh, if the seller is silent as to why uh, he is selling this, uh, this specifically uh, or, or disclaims that he's selling on the condition he, he's selling because he's making aliyah, okay, it not be, then, then he really doesn't have a background. This is according to the Rambam. What if he's moving to Chicago, not Israel? Huh? Right. What if he wasn't making, what if he's moving to Chicago? Same thing. Okay. Same thing. Because, but, and because okay. this, this was, that we're saying, the Rambam rules, this is regarding metaltalim. But if he stipulates, I'm selling you this now, because for I'm, some reason it falls through. But he didn't say that. He didn't say that. The house, the house, perhaps with the house or the karka, with the metaltalim, the Rambam says, that with the, with the house or something, because I was moving, but now the, everything fell through, so I can't say. Right. But the small stuff, the Rambam sees metaltalim, small stuff, he says no. So he says, conclusion, based on the above, Baruch would not be required to return Abby's curio, since the sale was not expressly conditioned on Abby and Sarah making aliyah, and the object sold was not real property. So the addendum here is note that even if in if the uh, note that even if the transaction was in uh, uh, instead of for sale uh, uh, of Abby and Sarah's house in New York, the same result would likely hold true. Most professionally prepared contracts for sale and real property in New York contain a so-called merger of integration provision, which states that there are no other conditional provisions, other, uh, uh, other set to send for. So, so, so over this here... This is a whole contract. It says there's nothing, not, there's nothing. on the outside. Right, right. So, so the questions to consider, would it, be, would it have been... Uh, would, would it have been a, di- a difference if Abby, uh, if uh, if Abby had paid for the moving to uh, to Curio, uh, the Curio to Baruch's home when he bought it? 
uh, and Abby was willing to pay for the curie to be returned to him. So maybe she had something there if she paid for the moving. He bought the thing, she paid for the moving, and she'll pay for So maybe there. And what if Abby has sold um, uh, his house in New York rather than furniture and had not mentioned that he was making aliyah when he promoted the sale? But it would uh, known throughout the community that Abby was planning to move. So that's something to, to think about. Yeah.